0: It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at wfpk.org from Louisville Public Media.
1: I keep going to the same orthopedic surgeon like bones and elbows and wrists and injuries.
0: Consequence Podcast Network Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with It's the Interview Series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org, Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks as always for making your way here, checking out the series and this episode. Uh, Hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all the interviews that I put out every single week, which is a new one every Monday, Wednesday and Friday at all the usual places like iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions or anywhere you like to get your podcast from. I'm Kyle Merritt today once again talking with Gavin Rosdell this time about the 20th anniversary of Golden State. A record that found Bush going back to basics, but also with the unfortunate timing of releasing it right before uh, 9-11. The British-born artist tells us about having his songs recontextualized in the aftermath of the Twin Towers, uh, signing with a record label who seemed to fail them at every turn, and eventually losing half of the band in the aftermath of it all. Uh, Gavin's also going to take us into his acting career, having just played the villain in uh, Janelle Shurcliffe's Habit and tells us why he's attracted to playing bad guys, as well as the time his scenes were cut from Brittany Murphy's Little Black Book movie uh, because screen tests said they had too much chemistry. And uh, we'll also hear what it was like shooting alongside Bella Thorne, Paris Jackson, and the kills in Habits, and the details on his next movie called The Edge of Nowhere, which is also directed by Shirtcliff. Cliff. So let's do it. And the 20th anniversary of Bush's Golden State. It's Kyle Meredith with Gavin Rosdell.
1: How are you? Nice
0: to see you. Uh, we got a few things to talk about, but um, uh, the the reason uh, I reached out anyway because it's a 20th anniversary. I got to do the backwards weatherman thing here. 20th ah. anniversary of uh, of this little this little gym right here. Right. The Golden State, which is getting the uh, deluxe edition and, and everything. Yeah. It's been fun to go back and and, and revisit this one. This was um, I listen to it now differently than I listened to it then. I mean that's that's going to happen naturally, but it really does sound like even more so in hindsight, that this was the back-to-basics record. I mean, it was the back to that rock sound. What was the story going into this one?
1: That was, uh, well, I think that with um, with Golden State, it was, it was a weird record because that just came out. My memory of that overriding memory is is the whole thing of, obviously, the, the Twin Towers, because that's when the Twin Towers were hit. I was physically doing press at the Met, hotel in london and we watched like with horror you know what i mean As the as the plane went into the first tower and then the second tower. so it's surrounded by that but, and what's weird about it is that um we it was the first label first time we've been on a major label and we signed to atlantic records and so it was this really weird situation of kind of being in people we didn't really know then it was then we had the song it was called uh speed kills which in england is a it's a warning it's a warning speed kills but people are like you can't have those two words together it's like it's a warning you know so it turns into the people that we love then the cover which was this art of uh, the cover art was uh, the plane because i was going you know that that's the beginning right in the middle of me and Gwen. so i was always on planes for the band and always on plane for my personal life and so and then the golden golden state is where i was you know i wanted to record this uh this record in, in, in America um, for the first time. And, um, you know, Dave Sardi, really, really amazing person. He introduced me to Chris Trainer, who then subsequently joined the band after that in 2002. So it's like really full of all these memories and, and out of this world, you know, we got the, the privilege of, of being able to view the, um, the, the site of the, of the 9-11 attacks while it was still smoldering. And uh, my friend took the video footage of it, and we were with a, a policeman that we that I know, that we know, Marshall, that we know really good, so we were allowed. And so I just remember that, and that Golden State tour was just all about playing that elegiac crazy footage and all the flowers and the people we lost set to that that track. And with 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 uh, uh, people that we love, you know, it began, and you're like, I don't want to play anything hard on the radio. I just remember thinking out of this world is the most apt, like, like a lozenge, you know, an elixir against the time. But yeah, I, I mean, I that record is full of massive memories, and yeah, it, it, I think it feels like people. Bush fans talk about the record that got away because it just, it just, it didn't, it didn't have the same impact because everything changed as that came out, you know. And I think everyone uh, at that time. Uh, wanted to not have rock music on rock stations it's weird so it's like full of all those memories but the memory of making it is really beautiful and like first time I made record of America at the village and I couldn't believe how well they looked after you when you recorded and treated you like would you like a coffee like in England you know people in studios at that point were like you know the assistant had the feet up reading the papers and like you know You'd be like, excuse me, can I get it? it's like no service, no help, nothing like that. You come to America, man, California, and you know, the village recorder, the, the, the history. And I just remember they were so, they just were such just a great treatment. I just, you know what I mean? It doesn't take a lot to treat people nice, but uh, it really had a clearly a big effect. I never thought about it that much since then, but now when I think about it, yeah, they got us coffee every day, and I rented a, uh, a Jag, um, a jaguar an old like a like an old car dealer's car um i don't know why i really liked it i drove it. it's only after i found out it was like really like 300 a day or something like that and i'd be just like two grand a week to save the car bar like <laughs> a bit of a money burner but um yeah great you know I, i'm really proud of the record i always think that you know i've had so many records luckily then some been really successful some more successful than others it's just is it does not stand the test of time? That's all it really, do you know what I mean? So I hope it does.
0: <laughs> well, like I said, it, it is fun. Like y- you you like hit the overture of the entire interview with that answer, by the way, you hit on so many points that obviously 9-11 became a part of it. it wasn't originally part of it. It did become a part of it. I was just getting my start in my career. I think I'd been in uh, only a year or two at that point. I was a music director of an alternative station and I remember loving Speed Kills, as as I got it originally, you know, Speed Kills, parentheses, the people that we love. And of course, there were those songs. Uh, I wasn't a part of one of the Clear Channel stations who, you know, got that blacklist of, uh, of songs you couldn't play. But I, I remember everyone was definitely on edge about what you could and couldn't. Uh, I think we continued to play that song. But then it, it is interesting, just the timing, as you said, because You know, then you've got a song with the line, I'm a terrorist inside. I mean, just like, what was it like seeing your songs taken from one context and made into something else that it wasn't originally intended? Because it was out of your hands.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, before 9-11, the idea of terrorists was not um, obviously a horrific word. It's a really powerful word. And so at my best, when I'm terrorist inside was just the sort of thing of being sort of a maverick, you know, like leading away. It's nothing to do with violence. It's nothing to do with hurting people. I am mean, like freaking, you know, I'm in a rock band that's called Bush. It's like, I don't, you know, I don't want any trouble with anyone, you know? So it was nothing to do with like the, the reality of the word. like a poetic license, you know, pushed to an extreme. But when that came out, it suddenly was like, oh my God, I can't believe I put that word in there. Cause we just hadn't really, I don't know, we were just sort of, I guess we we're so innocent. I mean, I'd grown up in England, where you had uh, the IRA fighting the Protesten, Protestants. So they were like terrorists of kind. I grew up in that whole, uh, where I lived in, in London, you'd see the um, Orange Day, the Protestant marching, you'd know the pubs or IRA pubs, Biddy Mulligans was the Irish, it was you get stabbed in there if you're like a Protestant. It was like real, the real deal, right? The Cock Tavern, and I was like a kid, you know, 12, 13, I'd be growing up, and when I'd see people like, for instance, the Orange Day Parade, where the Protestants come out. It's just wild to know that, because they they had their sort of militia segment to them. So as a kid, like, seeing people that like, you think, wow, they really are terrorists. You know what I mean? That's the real deal. Oh my God, don't, look at them, don't stare at them too long. they like, stab you, you know? And uh, so it's just a powerful line. You know, for me, I try and make my words as powerful as kind of, um, Exotic as possible, you know, and uh, it was an unlucky choice. And then coupled with plane, the plane, the plane—it was actually—I'm I'm sure you must have seen the image. It was a really good album title, a uh, uh, cover art, and I worked really hard on it um, with uh, the guy up at Atlantic, actually Martin or Goldshare, whatever his name was and then that would went to poop and then it was like okay make it gold so that was so it kept on being a reduced version of what it was i think that if you if you're going back because i mean like like dave chappelle is like fuck you i stand by what i say (laughs) right you know what i mean okay but it's like this sort of you know everyone wants to backtrack and uh i was the i was like album title the the, the album cover the song name at my best on terrorist inside at my best on it's all me you know and um so I think when you're doing that, you kind of tend to lose your balance. And so that's why it has this sort of and then being with Atlantic, who just were awful and just didn't have any solutions for didn't say, OK, we can't play that song. But look, out of this world, you're playing at the shows it's like an anthem. That's a beautiful thing. Let's do something with that. Let's make something beautiful. Now they just like went off. It was like typical what you have major labels They is a massive deal we got with it, but. Is the worst, worst, worst label in the world. Oh my God. Um, so that was just unfortunate. That was just a really unfortunate thing. And then that means that you then have these, um, becomes like a, a relatively secret record, you know, we'd be used to like, you know, all these number ones and that was like, that went away a little bit, but such is life. I'm looking at the numbers. I mean, what you do is like, if you, if you stick around um, long enough, you're gonna have all kind of um, things happen to your records. You know, I've had, you know, with this interview, not about other records, but every, every record has its, it's a sort of snapshot of time, isn't it? And, you you know, I mean, I just had uh, this last record, um, The Kingdom, which was, a, you know, really did well in lots of streams, but, you know, obviously Corona shut us all down. So that, that was done, you know? So it's been unfortunate.
0: It's been interesting musicians that have been around long enough that it, that are in the similar boat that have had an album come out in 2001 and had to deal with 9-11 and then had a pandemic album and how the two sort of related in story, you know, it's. Um...
1: But, you do, you know, what I found weird when I was growing up. Right. Was, um, you know, liking. So I really love, like, you know, I love Neil Young. He's amazing. And then when you, as you get older, you realize, oh, wow, look, there's four records in between those two songs that I liked, you know, there's all this material. So. If you if you're around long enough, you just I don't know, you you amass a lot of material. And I think in those days they they spend they were quicker, they'd write a record and you know two records a year and touring and who knows what how they did it, but that's how they do it. So I don't know.
0: You're right though. Out of this world is a beautiful song. It is one that I revisit and and inflatable. uh yeah. that is one of the prettiest songs. And I remember getting a single to that one too, and just I mean, just being floored the first time I heard that. You've always done great on those ballads. Um, and they always stand out. I mean, I, I, you know, all the way back to the beginning. I know, but, the, but even today, there is something like, you know, everybody talks about the lightning in a bottle with songs, but there's magic in that one. For me, at least, with Inflatable. There's real, there's real magic.
1: We did the Chris Isaac show um, up in Canada at that point, And I played that song on there. And it was so beautiful. He said to me, man, there's one hell of a song. That's your next hit. It, it wasn't because I was on a label. didn't know. And, you know, that was a great solution to the problem of like makes them mellow. And we did, I, 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 there's this one guy that I wanted to work with forever, Giuseppe Capitondi. He made these amazing videos, amazing videos. Finally, he's going to work with us and we did the video about someone else. It was like the worst creative decision ever. So we just like on stage like Muppets. And it was like, it's based on the deer hunter at that last, uh, the wedding before they go away to Vietnam. And uh, really sweet kids were, uh, you know, the boy and girl, but they were the stars. So it was like, we literally, it was just, it was just all kinds of wrong. And I think that it, it, it's a testament actually in fairness to being surrounded by the right people that are, I didn't have a very good manager, Um, And I had a terrible label. So before and since then, like now, I have a wonderful manager and uh, and and, uh, a pretty supportive label. And it's all it's it's a bit collaborative, you know. And so there, we just I don't know, just I don't know, just one calamity after another. Not the music though, just a sort of didn't you know? If we made an incredible video, maybe that would have helped. But we made the least good video that we made, (laughs) just because it sounded so good. The yeah, idea, when we were doing it, I was thinking, but which assignment in our video? We're just like literally playing this wedding the video is all about these kids going away. I was like, oh God. So, you know, as I say, it's beautiful to look back and thank you for your kind words about it. I, as I say, it's, I'd rather we look back and see quality than it's just sort of, you know, than otherwise.
0: Well, let's focus on the songs then just for a second outside of the machine. Do you remember writing that one, Inflatable? Yeah. Yes,
1: I, I remember that. Um, I was still—I hadn't—I was, uh, yeah, I, I, I do remember writing it um, because um, it was finding this really weird little guitar part that fit all the way through. I like kind of uh, uh, pedal tone things, you know. So you just have these like cycles of repetition and notes that hold, and then the melody moves around it. And then I remember that Dave Sardy played this solo on it. He played the kind of like twangy and it was, it was really contentious because like my the guitar player nigel was amazing guitar player but he's kept on playing all these bluesy solos all over it and i was like i don't know if that's the right approach really and then dave just knocked one out and i was like wow that's amazing and then somehow it stayed oh I yeah mean, nigel left he went to england he saw sort because of, he's he came to america to record but we we'll was spend the time at his house by the pool I think he so. said he had enough of being there and he came home and somehow that solo stayed on there. so it was unfortunate it was Dave, Dave saw his last solo I think
0: <laughs> that was happening though I mean um uh Nigel left um uh, Dave eventually left um I mean this and, and it was the last Bush record like a for a while
1: like a war of attrition with me. I'm always the last one <laughs> well standing I'm the talking <laughs> Smith of Bush.
0: Did it feel like something was coming to an end around that time? I mean, here you are, you're making a great record. You're in the middle of writing, you're recording, you've done this, you know, many times before, n- maybe not knowing, or did you get a sense that, I don't know, that there might not be a bush for a while after this? Like, when did that happen?
1: That was that was just like, I think that what happened was that Nigel, um, not to speak for him, but that was around the time when he started to reflect that he really had missed... The first few years of his first kid, you know, and he he was about to have another baby and didn't want to forfeit that time. And then I think when we made the record of America, I just think he'd had enough of it. I mean, you know, he was he I've seen him in interviews talking about how the business got in the way. I don't, I don't know quite what it means. I think that we left a small label that had done really well for us to go to a big label, and and we left a great manager to go to a terrible manager. And We just got seduced by the wrong things. Um, We got seduced. It's like you know, we went to we got seduced. We woke up in the morning with like not a very good manager and not a very good label, but on paper they're meant to be the best. They and I'm sure they are for some people, just not for us. It was a terrible uh, mix. Um, And Nigel didn't like the the new manager. Uh, and I thought the new manager. You know, I always believe in people. I thought well, this is going to happen. So it was, there was a lot of flux when I think about it. And it's only in talking to you about it that I sort of unearth all these emotions. Uh, I'm glad um, I could be here to help you with that. Thank you so much. Um, what a can of worms. So I could just tell that there was a, a not so much a rift between us. It was never see things with us were so English. It was never like character, personality. You know, disconnect like i love those guys um we never we never had any arguments about anything it just was more like we'd given our lives so much by then that was uh, 1999 it was 2001 right 2001 so yeah it'd been like you know it'd been kind of a slog 6 or 7 years and i think they just had enough and wanted a lifestyle change and i'm still crazy ambitious and i don't know why i just really like it i'm like fired up and you know like gung-ho and um they didn't share that enthusiasm and you know i don't know he came nigel came from sort of a real kind of punk background where bands only lasted a certain amount of time i think he saw it's it's exactly the same time here's another one he saw the strokes Mm -hmm. he saw the strokes and the strokes had just come out with last night And I was like, that's so cool, that's inspiring. He was like, that's so cool, we're done. That's the future. I was like, well, to some people, but to some people, they I don't know. And so for him, that was a big turning point, which was in a way, I really respected it because it was like, not like someone like me fucking hangs on for dear life and doesn't want to get like kicked off the off the out of the dance competition. He's like, you know what? I've been dancing for seven or eight years sold millions of albums, I've traveled the world, I've had this family and I missed my first kid growing up and I'm not going to do it with my second. Or if we do tour, you know, really minimize it. I was like, you, how can we, we can't go up against people who want all the slots, want the uh, radio, want slots on, on festivals and stuff like that. If we're sort of like part-timers, we're not doing the, you know, paying the dues, I just sort of old-fashioned. So, God, I didn't realize what a turning point the record was. Golden State should be <laughs> total state. <laughs>
0: Download the free Anchor app right now, or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. It's interesting that you said that because, you know, it's being the 30th anniversary of Nevermind, like that was the conversation then, you know, all the bands uh, that had come before right. saw the writing on the wall with Nevermind. I mean, you've shown that you can coexist, uh, obviously, you know, you continue your career after that. So it's not like you went away once the Strokes did in the same way, maybe, Twisted Sister went away I'm not comparing you to Twisted Sister by the way yeah
1: (laughs) uh, yeah yeah. I mean it all comes down to what what do you you know what you do it for and what your vocation is and Nigel is a fucking amazing talented guitar player brilliant brilliant guitar player and he had just wanted a life switch I still love it I'm in my studio now the minute we finish I'm gonna continue to work on songs for the new record I just because I love that I've just been with my kids so I'm really full on with my kids and they're at school and they now they go back to their moms for a week and I'm I, I just it's I'm like literally excited about this like I will finish this interview then I'll like turn it on and I had a great breakthrough in a song yesterday and there's a couple of things I gotta put the vocal to and then tomorrow the engineer comes because I'm a horrible engineer but I can sort of get everything going and all my sections together and write and all that, and then I use like a like little iPhone dictaphone and get it going. And then when he comes in, then we put it all together and you know it's kind of on uh, that. But so I think that's what it was. It was just a turning point, and uh, I, I I respect his position and I, and I know that. And you know we are I am hogging up the airwaves to, to a certain degree, but I've written some great ballads on this new record, for example. But I would say if you like those other ones, you'll definitely like the songs I've written for this record. So. It's just exciting, you know. It's just I, I, I believe that um, music is a you know like your career. so a nice one. It's you're just a passion to do it. You know what I mean? You have a passion to do it, whether the ten strokes or not. You know, I mean, I could look at so many bands I could look at and be like, okay, no need for doing this anymore. You know, like certain great big bands. But I've always had this uh, idea that. Um, people just need great records doesn't matter if they have you know wouldn't you love to have four records do you you go between that you totally love you don't need to have you know i remember when Nevermind came out um you know Soundgarden and loud and love whatever that's kind of slightly looked over that wasn't quite you know it was a Nirvana thing but that's an equally brilliant record and equally brilliant band that sort of just found their place again you know you just quality finds its place
0: yep I agree. Uh, you know, you know, I got to talk about last year. The Kingdom was a fantastic record that I'm still listening to. And uh, the accompanying a live album that came out with that. I mean, those get a lot of play around here, you know. Thanks. So thankfully, you continued with that stuff because you're still making quality records. And as a greedy fan, the only thing I want you to do is to hurry up and make new music. But I still have more questions, (laughs) so I'm getting in my own way right now. And I only want to bring up that it is the 20th anniversary of this, meaning that there is a 20th uh, anniversary deluxe edition coming out, and it does include a few of those B-sides with American Eyes and Japanese Freight Train and Fireball, which here's one of those things. An artist makes a decision at some points, and some songs make it, and some songs might not feel right. I listen to Fireball now, and I go, oh my God, what an incredible song. You know, and, and it's one of those moments as a fan, we're like, how did this not make the record? And yeah, I'm sure it was it, a decision at that point.
1: Yeah, they, they, all those decisions are hard. You know, it's a high-class problem. And uh, it's unusual that the are actually real sleeper songs don't come out whatsoever, because they're always kind of mining you for some, you know, Austrian deluxe edition. And you're like, they used to do it always for Japan, actually, traditionally. And Universal, um, Interscope, never had any acts it seemed I mean when, when I knew that No Doubt didn't do well in Japan I was like that's got to be the label's fault <laughs> that's the you know what I mean if, if Gwen wasn't right for Japan she ain't right for anywhere so when they so we never unfortunately I love Japan it's the greatest country I love it so much and I never really did very well there we always played the liquid rooms we just stayed at a certain kind of level there and so they'd be the one place that always insisting on on bonus tracks. So I'd be like, no, until there's like a major audience there. I only get the bonus tracks where the people are <laughs> crazy. But somehow that track um, never, never got. Um, and I thought I, I listened to it the other day. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. I'm always waiting for it to whenever I hear these extra tracks. I'm waiting for the one uh, reason, because I think songs are as good as their weakest bit. So. I mean they're not, because often we like we grew up with songs, choruses we love, and then sometimes if you if you were to read the words of the verse, you're like, what's that bit? You know, that bits where you're not paying attention, it's too beavers and butthead, you know. It's like, <laughs> where's the chorus? You know, quite a few songs I hear like that where I'm like, what's this? And then you hear the chorus. But so I'm always waiting for the weakest bit of the uh, of the song. And in Fireball, I was like, wow, because that was what would turn me off a song if I played two songs next to each other. You know, even though one may have this great bit, if it's got a weaker section where I kind of lost the plot as a songwriter or whatever like that, I'm just going to explain that mm-hmm. because it's all edited out. And um, with Fireball, it's weird because I heard it, I was like, where, What was this? Why didn't this go somewhere? This is weird." So, you know, I remember. You know, I, as soon as I heard it, I was like, "Oh God, that track! I've written so many songs. It's crazy."
0: Well, that's, I mean, you got Fireball, bring up uh, a famous one like uh, Broken TV, Bubbles, you know, that that type of stuff. I mean, you all have never, have you ever put out a B-Sides record? You haven't, right? No. Encouragement. That's what I'm throwing here. Encouragement. We've never done
1: a Greatest Hits and we've never done a B-Sides. We've, we've waited so long for the Greatest Hits. No one cares about Greatest Hits anymore. <laughs> Which, like, <laughs> remember back in the day, like, I don't know, five years ago, you could get like a, you know, you could be a big deal, you get an advance and the whole big thing, the Greatest Hits. I, I, it always confused me. I'd be like, why can't people just play the songs they like off the, oh no, they like it in one Greatest Hits. So we were like saving and saving, we saved it so long, it's worthless now. <laughs> no one cares about Greatest Hits. Oh shit.
0: See, but the B-Sides record would still work because you press it to vinyl and now it's a it's a fan thing, you know, that's... Right. that's...
1: Yeah, I, I, there's, something, there's something as well that I do like. Um, I think that there's something um, human and touching about sort of doing things wrong. I always considered that we've generally done most things wrong, being in Rock Band in England during Britpop, Come to America. You know, everything's, everything's the wrong way around. So the fact that we never did a great series is like... Because I always thought that was like, you know okay it's a swan song and you know I was like no don't rap because I can't bear the I always want to go forward and I love what got us here and I love the framework of all the history of all the songs but as a songwriter I'm like you know I always wanted to go forward and I, I, I don't not play those songs I still love all the songs the hits that, that, that people know I'm not mad at them at all but I you know what I mean I just want to push forward forge forward just a natural feeling.
0: Well, and, and you continue to do that. Um, I'll quickly bring up, not just in your music, but in other arts as well. Meaning specifically right now, you've also, uh, you're also part of a new indie film called uh, called Habits. And uh, once again, I think you've pointed this out in a different interview, pits you as a bad guy. You've got a career as a bad guy. Where does that come from? What is it, is it the filmmakers look at you and say bad guy or is that what you're attracted to? What
1: a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> uh. I don't know It things of what I get offered. I think that until you play the, uh, you know, I never tried. I did one romantic comedy, to be honest. I never wanted to do that. I always thought doing it, I'd much rather be killed, be a bad guy with Devil's Emissary, be shot, be tortured, because it gives you longevity, it gives you returnability in film. If you're like, you know, you go in a romantic comedy and you're like a house painter falling in love with Reese Witherspoon or something like that. You've probably got like five minutes in your career unless you're really, unless you're Ryan Reynolds or something like that, right? And um, so I, they asked me, would I uh, read this film? Um, and it, it was a little black book. And I, I was like, yeah, it's a romantic comedy. And you know, we, 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 our strategy is we're not doing that, right? Because we, you know, I want to keep lean and mean. If I'm not, if I'm going to be in a movie, keep it mean. So I went out to Canoga Park and said, we'll just take a meeting with Brittany Murphy. That's a film with Brittany Murphy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, yeah, but you know, I'm not doing it. I mean, I'll go out and meet her because I don't want to be rude, but I'm not going to. And it was Julia Roberts producing partner and the director. And I was getting to this at Winnebago and Brittany Murphy leaned across me, took me by both hands and said, please, will you do this movie with me? I was like, of course I will. <laughs> <laughs> Fold it. Yes, of course. <laughs> And weirdly, we had a really good rapport in it, and I was a side character, but I all got cut out of the movie um, completely. I think maybe there's one scene to be left. They said that the tests came back. There's too much vibe between me and Brittany, and they didn't understand what my character was and why I was in it. So they cut me out. <laughs> they should have extended my part, grown it. You know? But so, so I generally have always played bad guys, and this one is no different. Um, they're more interesting aren't they i like people that you know we're all human we all mess up and uh, we all could do better we all try better and um so they're more interesting people to play i mean that guy in habit is a washed up tv star selling cocaine to young hollywood i don't know why that's the only thing he could have done though <laughs> coke but apparently that's all he could do so i don't know it just it was fun playing him and I like acting. It's, 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 it's fun. And, uh, I think it's a great movie, actually. Janelle Shirtle, if I'm doing my next movie with her. I'm doing a movie with her now coming up and, um, she's brilliant. I think she's a really, really talented director. So, yeah, I like doing that, you know, I mean, nothing beats the, the thrill of writing a song and, and getting the outcome of a song together, but, uh, it is fun making words come to life and, you know, being real, I mean, Bella Thorne is a really good actress, so it was really fun. Uh, Also, Jamie um, from The Kills is in Habit, and I'm a huge fan of The Kills, so I did a whole load of work with Jamie, and that was really, I was like, you know, a bit of a a huge fan of his band, but we didn't talk about music at all, you know, we just just worked, went to work, and I was thinking, I didn't even know if he knew I was in a band or anything, you know, he's like cool and all that, and um, at the end of it, after like three or four days working together like big hugs and really we, we know 15 hours a day on the set you know um i gave him a hug and i was like i gotta tell you i love your band Your band's unbelievable was my favorite band so they are literally one of my favorite bands and he goes oh man i love your music too i was thinking i don't know if he does but it was a really nice thing to say and he was really fun to work with <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah looking at that cast too because um i'm a huge f- fans of the kills too in fact i had allison on the show not too long ago but you got jamie and allison you got uh, uh paris jackson bellathorne i mean everybody was a musician basically and hearing you say but you know at least with jamie you didn't talk about music and i'm like that's maybe you just don't talk about work at work but i was like oh that's surprising just with all that all that music talent in one place
1: so much i would love to and i i it's only Corona I haven't seen him since because we've vowed to, you know, to, to stay friends. Um, and he's in London now. So he missed the premiere. But uh, there's quite a bit of pressure on those things because especially indie movies, they move so quick. You've really got to know your lines. You've really got to get, you, have your act together or else you're just holding up a production that can't afford you. You know what I mean? Production can't afford it. So I found myself in a really work hardest thing you go show up on time know your lines and stand on your marks and that's the that's 93% of it because generally they've cast you because you look right you know so that's what that's I think that's what you concentrate on for Jamie you know Jamie was originally an actor do you know his band was formed was signed because someone saw him do a theater piece up at the um, at Edinburgh uh, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival Mm -hmm. so he was for an actor so for him being doing a movie was a really thing for him i think you know and uh, he was really good in it but we when we spend time we've rehearsed the, the scenes because you just you know it's all fun and games you don't want to be the fucking one messing it up and ruining it for everyone and back to one everyone And i've been on big movies where i've forgotten my lines and stuff like that oh it's the word line it's just the worst feeling of the world i my first movie i ever did it's called game of their lives I know I've played a soccer player and so my, uh, my audition was halfway I had to improvise a speech um, which I did and I got the part and then I had to go in the car park and kick the ball around f- over the cars three or four times with a, with Eric Ronaldo's because it was a soccer movie and I spent a lot of soccer so so I, that's it so when I got to film in uh, Brazil um, the night before my big scene was a big speech and you know, like a ballroom full of meant to be for this in the world cup and so it's like, you know, 200 people or 100 people, it felt like 200, but it was 100, no, 150 people. It was a large ballroom. And I said, I was like, hang on, I improvised the, the speech. So there's nothing for me to work on. So I was like writing it and putting it under David Anspor's uh, door, the director. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's great. And I was like, OK. And then we so I do the speech it's like, like that long. And then he'd be like, OK, take this bit out. Now, I can't do that. Like, I can only do songs from the first line. If I can't get the first line of a song, I can't tell you any lyrics. Once I get the first line, I can, I can do two hours of three hours. of It's not a problem. But so he did the worst thing for me, which is like, first of all, it was my first movie. Secondly, he would take large chunks out. So now I'm trying to act, but not memorize the words, actually say the words. But now, I'm, and so just a couple of times, I just was like, I, I don't even know what to fucking say. I've got no, I got no connection to the words, not even on the tip of my tongue, It's nowhere. And uh, that was a, oh, that moment. So I vowed then to, just whenever I did movies, to just shock people by um, uh, always knowing my lines. I w- did a movie, uh, game, um, How to Rob a Bank, which was a, a really potentially great movie. It didn't work out so great, but that was after a um, $100 million movie. We did a million dollar movie and we shot it downtown in this bank. And uh, the poor extras, so I'm going to play a bank robber, true to form, you know, bad guys love so bank robber. And uh, I'm in there and this, these poor extras are lying on the, you know, those lovely old banks and marble floors, uh-huh. you know, like marble floor of a bank, like beautiful ornate right. floor, ceiling, you know, amazing. Not great to lie on, it's freezing cold and for all day even in, in the chains, right? And so I always, I'm friendly with the extras because I don't like how people aren't, you know, so. I felt bad for them, because they're like literally lying on the ground it'd been alleged hostage position right and i said to this girl i said how are you doing you're right down there she goes yeah, yeah it's great it's just so wonderful to be on a film where someone knows their lines <laughs> i was like where's she been she's 12 hours <laughs> on marble floor but the upshot is that i do know my lines
0: yeah that's all it took you know it only takes a little to go a long way in those instances <laughs> right there that's the- that's cool. Well, I, I love hearing that you've got more on the way on that too. So yeah. that's that's great. Is it something you're shooting or you've already shot? I don't know what you can uh, say we're about
1: just it. We just on a script now. It's called The Edge of Nowhere, and we're just working on the script and just finessing that, and uh, hopefully shoot it early next year. I mean, we it's 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 a it's like a love story in reverse. Super dark, super dark, and really like a horror story.
0: It's cool. Well, I can't wait to see that one. Keeping
1: the kids cheerful. <laughs>
0: what you do uh it's what you do especially i'm gonna tie it all around with everything uh with you know some of my favorite slow songs too on this record here i keep doing that look at that it's there there you go (laughs) with the golden state and uh with the kingdom and uh i love hearing that you're uh, already at work on some new one and you're promising me some good ballads as well so that's i'm gonna hold you to that uh, as much as i can I, i already
1: have three i mean there's this float reasons land of living and and my engines with you like we did a fast song you know what I should do one day is just do a regular not fast version of that I was always like at the time I was like we need a fast song you know when that moment in the crowd where people go nuts and it was just too fast for everyone it was too fast no one knows what but that song uh was a poem I wrote for Gwen actually and uh and turned it into a song and um I kind of you know did a romantic gesture then like took the romantic gesture back and put it into a song
0: (laughs) (laughs) because you can because it's your song because i can can. and i will (laughs) (laughs) gavin uh it's been fun as always talking to you thank you so much uh congratulations 20 years on this one right here and uh and and with the kingdom i I do still love that record and uh and i guess we'll we'll see you next time you got something else thanks bye my thanks to Gavin Rosdell again. The twentieth anniversary of Bush's Golden State is now out. Uh, dig a little deeper into this podcast series, the Kyle Meredith with series. If you uh, search for Gavin Rosdell Bush, you'll find my uh, interview from uh, not only last year when we talked about the kingdom, but all of our interviews from the past is all in that episode. So if you want to dive deeper into uh, my history with uh, with my history with Gavin. Uh, Again, search for uh, Kyle Meredith with Gavin Rosdell and Bush in this podcast series. And while I'm at it, I also want to thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, Again, there's three new interviews put out every week, a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all of them. After that... Head over to wfpk.org, where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. An hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at wfpk.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the uh, social media spots, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith, uh, at uh, TikTok, at Kyle M. Meredith. Hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition, Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network.
1: Go speed. I'm an
0: atheist. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at wfpk.org from Louisville Public Media. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at wfpk.org from Louisville Public Media. (laughs)